So I'm going to give myself a single, go away, Brad, and say, hi, I'm Trevor, and welcome to the Catching Up on Cinema podcast. I almost said the Cinema Speak podcast. Sorry about that. Uh, if you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of September 2023, and it's once again that very special time of the month wherein we do our very special Tales from the Shelf episode. And in joining me in this endeavor, I have my good buddy Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast. How's it going, Brad? It's going great. Can't believe it's been a month already. We're back at it, baby. Hey, good to be here. <laughs> I apologize for that. I... <laughs> hey, I flubbed the intro. You may as well help me out in flubbing the intro. So I almost said the name of your show to start my show. So, you know, that's where we're at, folks. So. Yeah. Uh, thanks for joining me today, Brad. As always, uh, this is so much easier to do with a buddy. Um, but uh, I would like to start off things a little bit differently um, by doing some plugging on your behalf. Uh, normally, oh. we reserve that for the end of the show. Uh, but my boy, Brad, uh, dropped some some of that content on the YouTube recently. Yeah. Uh, Brad, would you care to get our our listeners and hopefully viewers uh, up to speed on what it is you dropped this morning? Yeah, well, I mean, after I think it's been eight or nine months of you just every time we hang out and chat, like getting on your knees and just begging me, please, please post another YouTube video, please. What is it going to be? <laughs> I, <laughs> I finally uh, I finally succumb to your wishes. And uh, yeah, I put up a YouTube video today. Um, it is uh, just a monthly Blu-ray haul video. I, I know um, you've thrown that idea by me in the past and. I've flat out said no. I said that's that's gross. <laughs> I'm not going to show off my purchases too personal. But I uh, I ended up buying so much in a month that I said, you know what? I gotta I gotta find a reason to justify all these Blu-rays I bought. Um, and to be fair, it was, was kind of like a month and a half span. But I kind of like you know for the sake of the video said it was one month. But uh, yeah, I just you know unboxed and went over all the purchases for the month, and I thought it turned out pretty well. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I can vouch for the quality of it. I watched it this morning uh, as I started my shift of work. Uh, gives you a little <laughs> hint at how hard I work at my job. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was it was a joy to watch. You did bang up job with it. I love the edits. Um, you, I sincerely hope that you do more of those because I, I, for one, really enjoy watching them. Yeah, we'll get something else up in another nine months or so, I'm sure. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, give or take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh we are gathered here today, though, uh, for, as I said, uh, the very special time of the month wherein we uh, do our very special Tales from the Shelf episode. Uh, so the subject of today's Tales from the Shelf uh, happens to be uh, a default episode. I guess that's I guess that's the format. Um, Brad and I have this pet project here where essentially what a Tales from the Shelf episode is is where Brad and I, as you may have noticed, uh, we both own quite a lot of movies, quite a lot of Blu-rays, DVDs, 4Ks, less DVDs on Brad's side. Uh, he's not a big fan of the format. Um, but this show, this monthly program, serves as kind of our our excuse to share some stories about our collecting habit, about talking about the movies that we have, and more more importantly, more specifically, why we have them. Uh, so what I, what I was referring earlier about default format is... Sometimes we can't come up with a clever prompt uh, for what we're going to be talking about, for the theme uh, that will guide our discussion. 
uh, in which case we default to simply skimming through the alphabet. Uh, so uh, last time we did this was actually quite a long time ago. I think it was like November of 2022. And we left off at the letter D, uh, which, of course, next in the English language comes the letter E. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about what I'd like to call an ensemble of E's. Uh, so basically what we're going to be doing here today is talking about movies from our collections uh, that begin with the letter E. Uh the 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 word the I'm assuming is exempt. Like like we're not counting thes, correct? <laughs> that is correct. Yes. Okay. Okay. Hour. <laughs> I was about to say if if I if I threw something out there like that, you'd probably get really mad at me. But anyway, uh, as is customary, I'm going to do my hosting duty here. It is my show after all, um, and promptly toss Brad directly under the bus and ask that uh, hey Brad. How about you share your first E? Well, uh, yeah, I'll do that. And let's let's play a little game. Let's play a little game, Trevor. You got a 50-50 shot at this game of being right or wrong. So uh, the title is an ensemble of E's. We're doing E's. Do you know what came out on 4K this week? Oh, I I am shooting myself in the foot as we speak. I have no idea. I haven't checked the calendar in a minute. We're not there yet, Brad. If we're doing <laughs> catching up on Blu-ray, that other episode that we do at the very special time of the month, maybe I would know. But no, actually, I haven't looked at the calendar in a hot minute. Here. Well, it's a ve- it's been I mean, very controversial release. The Internet is in an uproar over it. So I thought maybe you got wind of it. Um, but no, yesterday the exorcist came out on 4k, the exorcist. Now the game is, did I buy the exorcist on 4k either yesterday or today? That is the game. Cause my first pick is the exorcist. What <sighs> do you think I did? Did I, did I go to Best Buy specifically for this bit? Or did I not? That is the question. I'm going to make a damn show out of this. People need the people need to be entertained. So I'm going to give myself the single here and try to think through the thought process out loud. So Brad started this conversation by cluing you in, cluing our listeners into the fact that he just made an unboxing video. He just released an unboxing video, given the, the things that he had purchased were from about a month ago. That, that really rips a chunk out of your resources when it comes to funding <laughs> one's collecting habits. So on one hand, it's like, does Brad really want to buy a day one 4K of The Exorcist after having purchased a very, very large pile of boom of movies? <laughs> Folks, like if you if you don't know what I'm talking about, look up the video. It's a it's quite the stack. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but the under the other end of it, though, is that in having talked to Brad for quite a while now and having listened to your show for quite a while now, Brad, I do know that the director of The Exorcist is kind of kind of an important quantity in the Brad house. He's, he's kind of beloved, one might say. Good old Billy Friedkin. Billy Freed's. Billy Friedkin. <laughs> so... Huh. I, I, that's. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say that Brad has probably been 
eaten hot Cheeto mac and cheese for the past <laughs> month and is probably steadily collecting for another sale. So I know I don't think you bought the 4K yesterday because because you were saving you were saving your money for a sale because Brad's a sucker for a sale. Well, Trevor, I will tell you that you are correct. Yeah! I did not buy the 4K, but not for the reason you may think. Oh, the reason is uh, the you probably haven't seen the artwork for the 4K, I'm guessing. Uh, no, I have not. Let me just show it off here. I'll I got it on my phone. I'll do it. Pull it to the camera. This is one of the main reasons why I have not yet bought it is uh, this uh, horrendous artwork for the Exorcist 4K. Absolutely oh, horrible. That's 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 not going to make anybody happy, especially terrible. Blair. <laughs> and I, I'm usually not a big art. Like, I don't really care that much about cover art, but that is like just like there's so much many amazing images you can pull from this movie. And that's what you go with the, the street lamp. It's it's the easiest poster in the world. Just yeah. like it's an iconic image. Jeez. Yep. Um, so there, there is a best buy steelbook. And I didn't really realize that until just a little while ago. And that has slightly better artwork. Still not great, but slightly better. That did sell out. Now, my hope is that uh, it will maybe come back in stock. I don't know. So I'm holding off for a couple weeks because I know I'm not going to watch it until October. So I got, you know, another 10, 10-ish days or whatever. And then we'll, 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 we'll regroup then and see if I'm going to buy it. But I will be buying it no matter what. Um, so no, I did not buy the 4k, but my first pick is the exorcist. And, uh, I do have the, I have two actually versions. well, not versions, but I've got the, uh, standalone Blu-ray release. It's got the original and the director's cut. Um, and this is just the first movie. And, uh, this one, I mean, it's, it's not the typical, you know, the street lamp, but I, I like the staircase. Like, you know, I like that artwork as well. Like, it's, yeah, you no, know. it's an equally iconic image. Yeah. And this one comes with uh, you got a little little booklet on William Friedkin in here. Billy. Very nice. You know, some some good uh, some good imagery in here, some good stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I love The Exorcist. Um, I bought this one first and then they came out with the complete anthology set that's got all the exorcist movies in here um so yeah i have two copies of the first one i soon have three when i get the new one on 4k i also have heard the transfer i haven't done too much research but i heard some questionable things about it so buyer beware um but no i mean I, there's not much more to say it's a you know one of the greatest horror movies ever it's one of my favorite movies um yeah just still holds up to this day. I think there's some imagery in here that is still very, uh, very frightening. Um, the effects are great. Just the ideas at play are awesome. And, uh, yeah, I, I love the film and, uh, can't wait to watch it on 4k. Just wish that, uh, artwork was a little bit better, actually a lot better. Cause it's just, it's not good. It's also, I don't like just the, the green, like, I don't know if they're going after the, you know, the, the pea soup kind of color tone there, but like, I don't know. I, I, I think blues, when I think of the exorcist, I think this, this is, this is more the color scheme I think of. So I don't know. Uh, it might be like a contemporary marketing thing where it's like, you know, the kids love neon, neon, everything like bright, bright colors, everything. Um, yeah. Whereas when I think of the exorcist, yeah, I think of washed out. I think, I think of haze. I, I think of 
like a, a steely quality to it, which is is kind of an intentional element of the direction of the film. Like I haven't seen that movie in ages. Um, in fact, I ought to uh, like you uh, come Halloween time because uh, it's been so long since I've seen it. I've only, and I've only seen it the one time, but it makes quite the impression. Way to go, Brad. That was the, nice save. Forgot, <laughs> forgot this was video for a second. <laughs> yeah, folks, uh, normally we work in audio only. So uh, enjoy. The, the the lovely visual feast that is the catching up on cinema live stream uh, <laughs> production values in 720p because I am paying <laughs> for shit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the Exorcist is a tremendous film. Uh, very, very worthy of being your first pick for uh, our ensemble of ease. Um, it is one of the most iconic movies, probably bearing uh, the E as its first letter, honestly. Um, and yeah, it, William Friedkin's a tremendous director. I, I I remember on the Cinema Speak podcast, you mentioned pretty recently, like within the past few weeks, uh, you watched Sorcerer for the first time. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I did uh, back. To, well, not back to back, but watch Wages of Fear. And then I watched Sorcerer after. And uh, yeah, just some incredible direction in Sorcerer. Like, I mean, Billy, he was just operating at another level at the time. He, he just didn't care. Um but I actually, I, I slightly prefer Wages of Fear, actually. But um, they're both awesome movies. Um, yeah, and there's still, like... I mean, he he's definitely an, a director who had a kind of interesting career because he really did have a bit of a lull there. Um, like, I really never saw much of his stuff in the 90s. And he, he did have a bit of a resurgence there right at the end. Um, I I quite like Bug, and I, uh, I still have not seen killer joe in its entirety but uh i know that one's pretty well received as also yeah uh bug has kind of been reappraised in recent years as far as i know i, I think it just got a new blu-ray or something not too long ago um also folks if you're not aware and, and how dare you if you're not william friedkin did pass away pretty recently uh, so the timing of this conversation is kind of apt but um, yeah, Bug was one that I don't know if it found an audience like when it first came out, but I, I remember hearing some buzz and eh, buzz. Um, and now it seems to be like pretty critically lauded. Um, but yeah, The Exorcist, I really need to rewatch that just because like just on a thematic level, it has so much interesting stuff going on. And I think a lot of it comes down to the the combination of author and director, where William Peter Blatty and William Friedkin are they're they're a lovely interview if you see them in the same room together for one they're they're kind of a fun odd couple but on top of that their sensibilities are very very different where william peter blad blatty he he's 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 really into the religiosity of things like the the heavily catholic element of the story that's very inherent in the material whereas friedkin it's like he's so clinical like, like he treats most of his projects as documentaries. Like that's part of what makes Sorcerer so entrancing is that you're just kind of in it with these guys and, and there's tons of drama, but very little of it is portrayed in a very cinematic fashion. It's just kind of like, yep, that, that was a thing that they ran into and they had to figure it out. Oh wait, they didn't and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And same with Exorcist where it's just like, you're kind of a fly in the wall and the, the movie isn't really interested in delivering answers on anything. And in fact, some of the scarier parts of it that I remember, because I did see it when I was fairly young, was uh, uh, before the exorcism stuff even starts, like when the kid's in the hospital and stuff. Oh, yeah. 
I remember that being really kind of torturous to watch, especially like because I was having like health issues around the time I was watching it and I was in hospitals a lot. So I was like, this is fucking this is fucking scary. I hope this doesn't happen to me. That That's the that's the cool thing. Like if you want to like impress somebody like you do what you just did. I mean, not not quite like this, but you go, you know what the scariest part of the exorcist is? And they go, what? And you go the hospital. <laughs> that, 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 that's how you impress people that's a party yeah. trick <laughs> like, ah, yeah. you calling me cheap bread <laughs> you saying or, my materials out of date <laughs> no 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 I just I've, I've I've heard people say that um but I do agree it also the uh the prologue is amazing I think yeah. in Egypt or wherever it is or is, is it Egypt or is it uh, in Israel wherever is it, it like, is is it like Iran or something Iran yeah somewhere over there in the country. Middle East yeah, yeah. um but yeah, that the prologue is awesome. Uh, so yeah, yeah. It, it's been so long since I've watched it, but there's so many iconic images and moments that live on forever in cinema history. Um, I'm guessing that Blu-ray includes the uh, like, was it the 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 untold story or the the story you've never seen before or whatever? There's an alternative cut of the film that exists that I know is um not like not especially well loved, although. It is the cut of the film that features the spider walk, as far as I understand. Yeah, well, it's, this has the extended director's cut and the th- theatrical. So I, I'm assuming that's what you're talking about. Yeah, it it was some sort of controversy where it's like it, it adds a lot of elements. It changes things. It adds, as I said, the spider walk, which has become iconic uh, over the years. I mean, um, t- but it t- also t- features like flashes of the Pazuzu face just kind of at random or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, talk about uh I mean, the fact that something from a director's cut has become iconic. I mean, that now that that's power right there. The fact that that wasn't even in the movie and uh, it's now become like an iconic part of the, you know, lore. It's pretty good. Yeah, no, that's a big deal when a, a subsequent iteration of a film like strikes a chord like that. To be I mean, to be honest, I think that's the version I watch most of the time. To be told, yeah, like, as I said, like I think a lot of television screenings of it in later years, like deferred to that version of it. I'm not positive on that, but uh, man, just talking about this movie really makes me want to put it in the queue for for October. Like, it's been I, wait, it's been decades, honestly, since I yeah, watched it. Yeah, I'm sure the first. I'm sure I don't know how when I first watched this movie, I bet you it would would have been like DVD or something. Um, but. I'm sure that was the theatrical, but I'll be honest. I, I think I'm every time I've watched this Blu-ray, I think I've probably watched the uh, director's cut. To be totally honest. I don't know if that's sacrilegious, um, but I like I like Spider Walk, so I'm not got, got to do it. Sorry, <laughs> gotta get that Spider Walk. Yeah. Um, if there's a director's commentary on that, um maybe give it a listen, like treat it as a podcast or something. Cause I, mm-hmm. I'd be really curious to hear what, what gets said on that if it exists. Yeah. Cause I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure there's tons of stories from the production of that. I mean, I know of some anecdotes, but I'm sure there's considerably more than, a, than what I've heard. Mm-hmm. I mean, also, wasn't I mean, there, wasn't there a rumor that, uh, was it father Karras or not, not him, but a different character gets slugged in the face right before they, they rolled cameras or whatever. Yeah, probably there, there's a bunch of stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah, and like, like, uh, yeah, there was there was a lot of stuff like that, like Linda Blair uh, getting getting pretty bruised up doing some of the the exorcism gags and and the 
the woman i forget the name of the actress but uh she got she got injured on set too doing some of the gag apparently it was a very hazardous set Mm -hmm. yeah um also i mean won't say much about it but obviously exorcist 3 is also awesome and you know cliche thing to say but it does have an amazing jump scare so <laughs> yeah it's right up there with declaring the hospital scenes as the scariest bit of the exorcist that's you, if you want to be cool that's that's the two things you do you say scariest part of the exorcist is the hospital scene and then you go you know what the best exorcist movie is i'm gonna go what you go exorcist 3 no Brad, <laughs> it's exorcist cop <laughs> you know what's better than exorcist cop scanner cop you know what's yeah. better than scanner cop scanner cop too <laughs> that, I, that is true that is true i'm speaking facts folks i listen to brad's podcast i know these things now through you through listening yep. to your program yeah <laughs> anyway it's time for something completely different uh so uh in the effort to obtain an audience for the catching up on cinema uh tales from the shelf uh, live stream uh, i'm going to do the most hack fraud thing imaginable and talk about a series of films that has a new entry coming out this fucking weekend, uh, which I also happen to own every entry of uh, that currently exists on physical media. Uh, and that, of course, is the uh, Expendables. Uh, so the Expendables 4, uh, Expen- Exp- 4 Dibbles or whatever, however they're structuring the title, uh, comes out this weekend. I am not hyped for it. I, I'm, I feel it. I feel obligation to go out and see it being as I do have an attachment to quite a lot of the cast members. Um, and I have gone to see most of them, I think, if not all of them uh, in theaters with, with my brother. Uh, so it's kind of a, a ritual of sorts at this point. And it's not like I'm expecting world-class entertainment at this point. I don't think anybody ought to, that's probably not wise. Uh, if you're, if you're forking over your hard earned cash uh, for a ticket, expecting that, um, but yeah, I, I've seen all these movies. I own all of them and I actually do have them. So I will show them off here. So I have the Expendables vanilla edition on Blu-ray. Uh, I have the Expendables extended director's cut. Um, this one, this entry in the series was directed by Sly Stallone. Um, and it has a director's cut, which I'm I'm curious as to the reasoning behind it. Um, I'm guessing it. Uh, my suspicion is always money, but sometimes like my gut also tells me like something to do with like copyright or something or retaining the rights to intellectual property or something. Because we saw we saw Rocky Four get a director's cut, quote director's cut, and in, in like similarly questionable circumstances. So I don't know what the, what the motivation is here exactly. Uh, I have Expendables 2, uh, complete with Best Buy uh, price tag. <laughs> Tells you where I bought it, for how much. Ouch. Um, and then, of course, I have the Expendables 3. Uh, and you'll note the uh, yellow strip there at the top that says Unrated Edition. As far as I know, there I don't think there is a way, like, I don't think there exists a Blu-ray of this movie that doesn't carry the Unrated Edition on the disc. Um, but that is somewhat important, uh, being as that movie was rated PG-13. Um, and a lot of people were very, very sour about that, such uh, that The Expendables 4 is actually being explicitly marketed uh, as a re- return to the, the R rating uh, structure of the earlier film. So the, the blood is back, I think, is what they're saying. 
Um, and yeah, like why why the fuck would you omit the blood? Like, like it's it's kind of why we're all here at this point. And I, I think we all know that. But um, yeah, I've watched all these movies. I'm actually currently in the the middle of rewatching all of these movies. I got up to the beginning of three before uh, real life intervened and. What that's code for, Brad, is the girlfriend stepped in and said, hey, I would like to watch the last couple of episodes of Severance, uh, a.k.a. a much better program than what you're currently doing. So, of course, I surrendered control of the television to her. Uh, and it's I'm not in a hurry to get to Expendables 3. I'll get to it when I get to it. But, um, Brad, uh, have you seen any of the Expendables films? Uh, I've only seen the first one. Um, I remember I... Uh watched it at a friend's cottage um cottage yeah well co- yeah i guess would uh you know his his folks had a place up north i don't think i've so, ever used the word cottage in daily speech <laughs> yeah i never used cottage <laughs> um yeah this is uh, uh just word of warning this is not soylent this is uh tim horton's ice cap um which get me going but uh yeah a regional and- delight yeah, regional, <laughs> that's in Michigan. I guess we use cottage. It's it's not a West Coast uh, thing. I was referring to the Tim Hortons. Not, well, not that, too, that too. Yeah, yeah. Tim Hortons and cottage. You know, you get Tim Hortons when you go up to the cottage. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've only seen the first Expendables. I I mean, I was probably in like, what year did that come out? What year was that? I think it was 2010, but uh, let me double check. So I would have been in high school at least. Um, yeah, 2010, 2010. I wasn't like crazy about it. Maybe now I'd like it more. Um, I'm, I mean, who knows? It was a cottage watch, so you know, <laughs> you don't really pay much attention at those. Um, but yeah, I never watched the other two for some reason. Um, I'd like to. Um, I I think I've gotten more into action movies. Um, as as a grown man, uh, so I think uh, yeah, maybe someday I'll get around to them. May, I, I may see expense. I may just skip over two and three and go right to four in theaters. I may do it. Five dollar Tuesday discount ticket night. I might do it. I mean, if a five dollar discount uh, exists in my territory, cost of living in Seattle's pretty shitty. Uh, it's pretty steep. <laughs> five dollars doesn't get you shit out here. Um, so I think it's five fifty now. I think it's five fifty technically, ooh, but ow, ow, ow. yeah. Uh, yeah, if that exists, like if that's an option for me, that would be ideal uh, for me to go see Expendables for because as as much attachment as I have to the franchise and more importantly, the the elements of the cast involved in the films, I'm as I said, I'm not super hyped, but but I, I do think it is probably the kind of movie that you probably could easily jump into without having seen the intervening sequels like it. I don't think it would hurt your experience any, honestly. <laughs> Might help it. Yeah, yeah. actually, you never know. Um, but the main thing, though, is is what I mentioned, is your attachment level uh, when it comes to the cast. Because uh, that's, that's ultimately the selling point. That's ultimately where the charisma uh, from the project comes from. Like So... Like when it comes to the cast members of the Expendables films, are any of them like a selling point for you personally? Um, no. That's kind uh, of <laughs> like I mean, like Brad's a little bit younger than I, so like that I'm not surprised by that in the slightest. I I do like I mean I like some of them like I like I'm just looking at Expendables four cast like I I do like um Jason Statham a fair bit uh Eco Ways um. 
I mean, I don't know much. He's the raid guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like him in those. Um, but no, nobody here is like a selling point for me. Yeah. That, that, like I said, I'm not surprised. Um, because a lot of these guys are in their 70s or late 60s at this point, or at least Stallone is, and Dolph's probably a decade behind him. Um, so yeah, I, I, honestly, it doesn't seem like a, a franchise that's directly targeted at you. This is this is old guy cinema, honestly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was I was raised on the Stallone. I was raised on the Van Dam. Uh, Dolph to a lesser extent. Uh, so I've always bit kind of hard for these movies, even though I fully acknowledge they're. They're they're kind of like middle of the road action movies in a lot of ways. Uh, the first one is a little bit stilted in some ways. Like Stallone is in the director's chair; he's doing double duty as both quote star um, and director of the project, and it has it has kind of a loosey goosey feel to it, where you can tell they probably just rolled cameras and riffed uh, to fill in a lot of the dialogue and. And not everybody in this cast is especially well equipped to do that, such that a lot of the things that are supposed to be like classic action movie quips feel really stilted and wooden. And there's there's a lack of rhythm, I guess, in that first film in particular. Um, some of the action's pretty good, although the, the editing gets kind of choppy from time to time. Um, in fact, that was part of the reason for the uh, for the director's cut. Um, is that they recut some of the action? They added like additional frames and additional takes of some of the some of the hits and some of the kills and stuff, just to expand on some of the action scenes. The real downside, though, uh, is that it fucks with the timing of the uh, the audio. Uh, Brian Tyler uh, does the score for, I think, the first three Expendables. I think he's off of uh, Expendables four, uh, but he did the score for the first three, and he's a very good choice. He's worked with Stallone before on a uh, Rambo. Uh, and his his work on the Fast and Furious movies kind of proves that he he has chops when it comes to delivering like typical testosterone filled action beats and stuff. Some of his action music is fantastic, honestly, like some of his tracks, especially for those Fast and Furious movies are astounding. Um, really worth a listen on your free time if you if you care to check it out. Um, but the director's cut of the first Expendables fucks with the timing. Uh, because those those pieces of music were timed to the way the film was cut for the theatrical edition. And so there's like occasional hiccups in the timing of the music. That's a little bit distracting for someone, you know, anal retentive like myself. Um, and, but the big, the, the big fuck up, the big fucko is uh, they, they add a, a song uh, that plays over like one of the climactic action scenes. And it's, it's, it's raggedy. Uh, it's no, it's no bueno. Uh, no, sir, I don't like it. Um, so it's like, like, like a lot of director's cuts, like especially ones that happen sometime down the road. There's like a some some is an improvement, some is a detriment. So it's like I don't know if a, a perfect version of the the Expendables exists. Um, I feel that way about Godzilla 1984 and Godzilla 1985. It's like. Dr. Pepper machines. <laughs> it's like, if you just cut out those Dr. Pepper machines, Godzilla 1985 is not half bad. Um, but a lot of people, myself included, point to Expendables 2 as being probably the high point of the whole series. Uh, it has the most, uh, when it comes to allocating like its screen time to its cast members um, and arranging its, its cast of players, uh, it has 
it has the pieces on the board that carry the most weight of the entire franchise. Uh, you have Jean-Claude Van Damme in there uh, having a lot of fun as a bad guy, um, doing some of that acting shit, something he wasn't asked to do all the time, but something I know he enjoys. Uh, you have baby Scott Adkins. Um, and more importantly, though, for most people, like not like action movie obsessives like myself, but like most general audiences, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis actually have things to do in it. Unlike, I mean, token appearance from Arnold in the third one, spoiler alert. Um, but Bruce Willis and Arnold are both in the first film. Uh, it's kind of well known that they, they filmed in like an afternoon, a single dialogue scene for that movie. Whereas in the second one, they actually participate in the action and actually get to do some stuff. And and their dialogue is more naturalistic. It's just, it's a damn movie. Expendables 2 is an actual movie. Like, like structurally, it is very intentionally like a riff on classic Westerns and the Seven Samurai in particular, or Magnificent Seven, uh, if you want to call it that way. Like it, it very much feels like a well-thought-out, actually well-produced and well-made movie. And then the third one happens, and it it's kind of like, let's fart around until the end. <laughs> like it, It's that movie, basically. Yeah. It's PG-13. There's some decent action stuff at the very, very end. I give a lot of credit to uh, Wesley Snipes and Antonio Banderas. Uh, they are actual actors. Unlike some of the other people uh, in these movies who are who have largely coasted on, you know, personality, gravitas, charisma, rather than actual acting chops for a very long time. Like the two of them have some really good scenes that they actually do some of that acting shit with. And it's it's worthwhile. And the action is not terrible, although there is one sequence with Jason Statham towards the very end that is bizarrely filmed. Uh, like if, if you do end up watching Expendables 3, Brad, we, we got to talk about the fight with the, the big guy because the way it's framed is like there's Dutch and then there's like full on upside down pseudo Belgian shots where it's like, what are these angles? <laughs> like, All right. I'm like, into what that. Is yeah. this? It's very eccentric oh. framing. <laughs> um, but Expendables 3 is is. I don't hate it as much as some people. I have a lot to say about it that I won't say here because I don't want to exhaust you before you even get rolling, Brad. Um, but I will point out that troubled human being that he may be um, and subject of every month's, uh, every week's episode this month here at Catching Up on Cinema, Mel Gibson uh, is in fact in Expendables 3. And again, troubled human being that he may be. God damn it, he is magnetic. <laughs> like even in the Expendables 3, he still he gets at least one scene where he brings it and it's like I felt things in the Expendables 3. I didn't pay for that and I didn't expect that, but damned if I didn't feel that. <laughs> it's the power of Mad Mel right there. Um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, colossal fuck up of a human being, as far as I can tell. But whenever that camera's on, he he does deliver. <laughs> I, I just the only thing I'll say quick. Did you know that uh, the Expendables three did win some uh, Oscar gold? Well, not Oscar gold, but it won some gold. It won some gold. It won. A, it did win at least one award. Uh, sound maybe. No, not not at the Oscars. Uh, it won at the thirty uh, fifth Razzies. Ah, who got uh, it? Who got it? Uh, worst supporting actor. Well, let me tell Ronda you. Ronda Rousey. 
worst supporting actor. You got three nominees. You got Kelsey Grammer, Mel Gibson, who I know you just said he was good, but that might be, uh, you know, a, like we're just nominating you for worst because we're worst person. Yeah. Um, That's a fair enough reason. Yeah. And then uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, all three nominated for worst supporting actor. Who do you think pulled out the win or the loss? Uh, for political reasons, I think I would point to Mel. Well, for political reasons, you would think so, but his performance was just too darn good. <laughs> so he did not win good. worse. Um, no, uh, the winner for worst supporting actor was Kelsey Grammer. But with an asterisk, he was also, it was a combined nomination, Kelsey Grammer for worst supporting actor in The Expendables 3, along with Legends of Oz, Dorothy's Return, Think Like a Man 2, uh, and Transformers Age of Extinction. So he was nominated for all those movies combined and uh, one worst supporting actor. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of a fun way to to give someone that award, I guess. <laughs> he was good in Age of Extinction. Like he he showed the fuck up for Age of Extinction. He got blowed the fuck up in that movie. Yeah. That that is a hilarious moment in cinema history is a, a goddamn Transformer blowing up Frasier. In a fucking film that happened. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. This is why we don't need to take the Razzies seriously. I don't. Yeah. I shouldn't have even brought them up. It's just... Yeah. Also, just like to point out that Kelsey Grammer, like another troubled person who has a new season of Frasier coming up soon on Paramount Plus or whatever. Jesus, like, what is this world of media that we live in? Um, he uh, he actually is pretty good in Expendables 3. Like he doesn't participate in the action, which is a big disappointment to me because I love action Frasier. I mean, X-Men 3, The Last Stand, uh, you get to see blue Frasier on wires. That's that's cinematic gold right there. Um, but he he's strictly there for dialogue scenes, many of which are filmed on absolutely horrendous green screen. But he had there's a. Uh, it's not a running gag, but it's a it's a, a gag with a very long setup that actually is kind of funny. Um, it, it seems like it was very clearly improvised by him um, between him and Stallone. But like for what it's worth, he, he doesn't occupy a lot of screen time in the film. But I thought he actually had fun with it and, you know, made a contribution. Ronda Rousey, on the other hand, Kellen Lutz, on the other hand, more importantly, Kellen fucking Lutz, on the other hand, the Lutzman. Uh, He's goddamn awful. <laughs> and uh, I'm pretty sure Victor Ortiz's uh, boxing career, much like a lot of other fighters who have worked on St Sylvester Stallone's projects over the years, I think it was derailed around the time of the release of this movie. Because Tommy Morrison, uh, I think he passed away from like HIV uh, a few years ago. Uh, and also his boxing career uh, did not go well uh, around the mid 90s. So he was Tommy Gunn. Uh, in Rocky Five, Brad, if you're not aware. Mm, okay. Um, and then Mason the Lion Dixon, uh, I've, um, Antonio Tarver, the actor who plays the antagonist in Rocky Balboa. Uh, he also uh, had a fade in his career, in his actual professional boxing career shortly after that movie came out. So if you're a professional boxer, as tempting as it may be, maybe, maybe reconsider signing up for that Sylvester Stallone film. Stallone <laughs> curse. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure Victor Ortiz, this had to have been around the time he fought and lost and was knocked out by Floyd Mayweather um, and later on would have clashes with uh, Andre Berto, I believe. Uh, he does for he does fuck all in this movie, by the way. He has a shotgun and he jumps 
that's what he do <laughs> in Expendables 3. If you're a professional boxer and thinking of teaming up with St- Sylvester Stallone, you should leave him Stallone. Leave Oof. him Stallone. That hurt. I, I, <laughs> ooh. <laughs> think I'm think I'm having issues over here after that, Brad. So anyway, that was the entire stack of Expendables films uh, up till now. Uh, I talked for way too long. So, Brad, feel free to do the same. Uh, what is your next uh, e-pick? Well, I'll mention a film. Uh, I don't have a ton to say about it, but uh, I'll mention it. It's a movie. Now, I, I just mentioned it with The Exorcist. I said I don't really care about cover art that much. This movie, I I think I had seen a trailer maybe, but I was largely sold on the artwork on this Blu-ray, which isn't, I don't even think it's the theatrical poster. I think it's, maybe it was a poster of some kind, but I think it's mostly just exclusive for the Blu-ray. It is uh, Jake, well, not star, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, but uh, more importantly, Denny Villeneuve's Enemy. Enemy, which is an early Denny Villeneuve film. I have not seen um, uh, Incendies, which was like his breakout hit. Um, but this was uh, kind of it came out after Prisoners, I believe. But I think it was actually shot before Prisoners. Um, and it's, a you know, a bit of a psychological thriller. Jake Gyllenhaal sees somebody who looks exactly like him and he uh, begins to investigate who this person could be. Um, and I, I quite like it. Uh, I, I think, uh, it's definitely a movie that rewards rewatches and, uh, it's just a fun, uh, just a fun puzzle to put together. Um, and, uh, I think Jake Gyllenhaal is very good in it. Uh, yeah, I, it's, it's a very small film, especially, Considering well, or, uh, Denny Villeneuve went with his career, but I would say it's up there as one of his best. I really enjoy it. And uh, the uh, ending is if an all timer, I think I absolutely love the ending of this movie um, and not to spoil. I won't spoil it here, but it is uh, it's 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 the perfect ending. I, I you couldn't end this movie any other way. It's, uh, the ending not only ends the story just as you think it's like almost you think that we're about to hit like another stretch of you know momentum um but it totally wraps everything up once you kind of process everything and uh yeah it's 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 an awesome little movie i haven't seen it in quite a while but i remember when it uh first came out i was really hyped on it and i said I think uh, i think this denny villeneuve guy i think he might be going places i just got a feeling got i got a feeling um, and clearly he, you know, it didn't work out for him, but, uh, at least he had this movie. Um, so yeah. Yeah. That is, that is like one of the, I don't know, more rewarding things in, in the world of, I don't know, taking in films, like appreciating films is, is the come up, like actually being present for that. Uh, we got a comment here. Enemy is a banger. Uh, it is a banger. Certified banger. Have uh, you seen per- it, Trevor? I have not. Uh, I feel bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like a terrible person. Being too busy a- watching the Expendables. Yeah, I'm, I'm too busy over <laughs> here watching four different Expendables films. <laughs> instead do you know? Do you ending. at least know what the ending is? Like, do you have any? I've had idea? images spoiled, but I don't know okay. the context. Like, I don't yeah, know what it actually yeah, means. Okay. But I have seen screen caps because the internet. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I would very much love to, though, because uh, Denis Villeneuve, he's he has reached that rarefied air of I will watch anything he makes status where it's like if it has his name on it, I don't even need to know what it is. I'll give it a shot. Like, what's the worst that could happen? He's proven himself to such a degree at this point, like with so many consistently excellent films of pretty wildly different genres and vibes at times. Uh, yeah, I'll watch anything the guy makes um, such that, yeah, I, I will absolutely put on enemy just on a whim and probably love it. Um, but no, I haven't seen it, uh, nor have I seen anything from that period of his career or earlier. Um, I don't know how much content there is there, but like I said, if it's guy's name on it at this point, I'm watching it. Yeah, yeah. And this one, uh, it was an early uh, A24 film as well. Really? Um, wow. Yeah, I don't know if it was produced by them or just acquired by them. But like this was before, you know, the, the, this was before the Villeneuve brand. This was before the A24 brand. I mean, I just saw this and I was uh, I was into Marble Hornets at the time. And I was like, oh, this looks like some Slenderman shit. Let's do it. And uh, little did I know that it was uh, much, much, uh, much better than Marble Hornets. Um, <laughs> do you know do you know what Marble Hornets is? Not exactly. How about okay. you get me up to speed on it? Oh, uh, it's we don't. It, it's a Slenderman YouTube uh, series. Ah, um, that was. I was I was thinking it was like a kill her goats kind of situation. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. Okay. Um, but yeah, enemy enemy is uh, really awesome. Yeah, definitely yeah. check it out. No, I'd love to. Um, kind of a tangent, but Jake Gyllenhaal is a he's a common element between the two projects. Uh, Demolition. Uh, have you seen that one? No, that's that's the one with uh, the Dallas Buyers Club guy directed it, right? Am I thinking of the right movie? I have no idea. Um, I have very little uh, knowledge of like the actual production. Like, I don't know who directed it. Uh, I don't even remember much of the cast other than Jake Gyllenhaal. I, I just remember that movie arriving in my lap uh, at a very, very important time in my life. Like that movie hit on a different mm. level. Um, really? Yeah. No, it, it I mean, it, arrived in a, a when I was in a very sad state I uh, had a family member pass away and a relationship dissolve like all in, all in the same month and then my brother was telling me about demolition because common family member between the two of us had passed away um, and I watched it and I was like whoa like this this made me feel things that I probably needed to feel <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but I seem to remember maybe it came out like roughly around the same not around the same time but pretty close maybe 2015 i just checked it out and it is uh um jean-marc valet is that yeah who uh all, who sadly passed away um i forgot about really? that yeah, wow. yeah he died a few years ago which is uh which is a bummer um a lot of that going around on this episode <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah denis villeneuve man uh he, He's earned it like Sicario, I think, was the first movie of his I saw and pretty much everything since then. It's like, yeah, I'll check it out. Why not? And that's like, damn, it's good. And then it keeps happening over and over and over again, where it's like, oh, he's taken on Dune. That's a tall order. And then you watch it and you're like, fucking nailed it. <laughs> like never would have seen that coming, but uh, eagerly anticipating the second one. Do you if, I mean, do you have a pick for a favorite Villeneuve movie out of the ones you've seen? That's a tough one, because uh, uh, was it uh, Arrival? 
Mm-hmm. Um, not the arrival, the Charlie Sheen film from the 1990s, uh, which I have seen. <laughs> uh, arrival, kind of similar to a Nolan film, actually. Uh, the structural editing of that film uh, has like a cinematic grand slam quality to it, where it's like slow clap, like, well done. You committed to the bit and yeah, you did it. Like, good job. I don't know if it holds up to subsequent viewings, um, but my initial and only watch to date of that film was incredible. Um, Sicario, though, uh, has a vibe to it, like an, an oppressive, mean quality to it. Like the, the soundtrack, it roars at you, like it growls at you. Mm-hmm. Um, is, speaking of, was that another person who passed away a few years ago? <laughs> the, the composer of that film? Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, Scandinavian yeah. fella, um, Johan Johansson or whatever. I think so. I think so. Um, excellent score, excellent film. That that it has a specific like texture and like vibe to it that is really striking. Like it grabs you right, in a in a special kind of way that very few movies can achieve. Um, I have a lot of good things to say about the guy's filmography, but um, I want to point. I want to say maybe Sicario is my favorite. But I am due for a rewatch of both Blade Runner 2049 and Dune. And both of those movies are pretty fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, tough to pick a favorite, to be honest. Um, it, yeah, <laughs> I, I I would actually say I'm not a huge Arrival fan, um, but I have only seen it the one time. Um, I remember thinking it was just like good. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one I maybe need to give another shot. Maybe but, I uh, was overly enchanted by the gimmicky editing or something. Yeah, like, that yeah. could be that could be a big part of it. Is I got I got wise to what was happening. Like it's like one of those breadcrumb situation where it's like you get wise to the path before before you get to the destination. It feel it feels good. Kind of kind of mm-hmm. similar to uh, being there for the come up of a, of a artistic talent, where it's yeah. just like. It, it feels good to, to see the rise. Like it's, it's not something everybody is privy to, but in your case, you got in early on Mr. Villeneuve. So well done, Brad. Er, early ish, early ish, I mean, earlier than most. I'd say I wasn't watching his Cause is he, he's French Canadian, right? Am I, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't watching his Canadian shit. garbage. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, well, I don't know if this was a Canadian film, but it takes place in Toronto at least. So, oh, okay. Yeah, but well, very cool. Like I, I very cool. I, I very cool. Uh, I need to. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are we doing? Uh, yeah, I, I really do need to watch that one. Uh, and I don't, I don't need an excuse at this point. I don't need to know anything about it. Like I said, it's got his name on it. Let's give it a shot. Okay. Uh, so pick is back to me. Uh, so we are just talking about directors that we like. Uh, so I will talk about a director that. Uh, oh, hey, it's Brad. I hit the wrong button. Hey, <laughs> don't mind Brad. He's just sticking around on his phone like a real professional. <laughs> I was um, reading the back. No, I was reading the back. Was... Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, was Staying totally, on task. Totally, I'm totally not Facebooking right now. Um, so uh, I'm going to talk about a uh, director who, unfortunately, I want to say our mutual liking of is past tense. And I'm sure someone out there maybe hopefully uh, knows who I'm alluding to here being as I have two different titles that begin with the letter E in my hand right now. Uh, so I have here 
on DVD, Edward, and on Blu-ray, Edward Scissorhands. So a pair of Eds, two Eds, one director, Tim Burton. Uh, past tense uh, liking of Tim Burton seems to be pretty pretty common these days. Uh, there, there's like a cutoff point where he he still had the juice. Uh, I don't know if the juice is all squeezed out at this point. Um, but yeah, like from like the 2010s. Oh, it's onward. squeezed. Yeah, Brad, Brad and I think Kyle also, my regular co-host on Catching Up on Cinema, um, I think they're in agreement of the fact that like to, to use a frequent jo- a drop uh, from Brad's podcast, the Cinema Speak podcast, uh, you're done. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tim, Timmy, Timmy Burton might, might very well be done. But in the 90s, uh, these movies came out uh, and they were fantastic, if you ask me. Um, I'm not sure if everybody agrees on that today, um, but I do know that Edward Scissorhands was a, a mega hit uh, internationally. Uh, Edward, I think, considerably less so, although these days it is, uh, a, I want to say, a beloved film. I think it's been rediscovered. Uh, I don't think it did especially well. Uh, a lot of people chalked up to uh, the, the black and white um, and the subject matter on top of that, where it's like, what is this? Uh but I, I happen to love both of these films. Um, if memory serves, I think uh, Howard Shore um, or maybe Mark Shaman, but I think Howard Shore does the score for uh, Ed Wood instead of uh, Danny Elfman, uh, who normally worked with Tim Burton around this time and also did the score for Edward Scissorhands. Um, apparently there was like a creative differences, uh, something or other that happened around that time. That seems to happen with Danny Elfman, honestly. Uh, I remember the same thing kind of with Sam Raimi happened on the spider-man films uh, mm-hmm. he, he dips out after two if memory serves i think christopher young uh, takes over wholeheartedly by the time you get to spider-man 3 uh, i don't i'd be curious to know what the argument was what the dispute was between sam raimi and danny elfman probably like you, do you know i think it has something to do i think sam raimi didn't give enough respect to uh oingo boingo and, uh, <laughs> he really pissed danny off I was like, now you listen to me, Danny. You take your dead man's party and you get the <laughs> hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> he was the Jerry to Danny Elfman's Kramer. <laughs> Daniel Danny Elfman just went <laughs> and didn't leave until he was yeah. asked to uh, by security. Um, <laughs> intense guy in, in terrific shape, as far as I've heard. Uh, plays every instrument under the sun, but... Um, for what it's worth, the, the soundtrack for Ed Wood is fantastic. Uh, the instrumentation in particular uh, is very, very, very appropriate for the film. Um, I've talked endlessly about largely Ed Wood over the years, so I, I won't go into any more detail here other than to say it's kind of like a, I don't know, seeking inspiration film for me. I put it on the background like when I find myself in a creative rut or, or wanting some sort of creative spark in my life. Um, there's some, there's kind of a special warmth that, that comes from the movie. I kind of <laughs> I have a kind of similar relationship to American movie as well, although that's a much more depressing watch, honestly. Um, but I put it on in similar occasions. Uh, Edward Scissorhands, on the other hand, is not one that I've watched too too often, but it is fucking gorgeous, uh, especially Danny Elfman's score. Uh, there's some. There are some melodies, like some key melodies in Edward Scissorhands that are up there with his best work. Um, was it the Ice Dance uh, is a phenomenal cue, as is I think it's called Story Time. Uh, it's basically the 
intro to the film serves as like the theme music for the film. It's very much like a has a fairy tale kind of vibe to it, which is very appropriate for the film if you actually see it. Um, but yeah, some of Danny Elfman's most beautiful music. Um, could see Vincent Price uh, in a couple of scenes. Production design is very much on point, very much Tim Burton's brand. Um, and there's just like an infectious quality to the film that I think it says a lot that it made as much money as it did, despite being as funky a fucking movie as it is. Like it is an odd film to be as successful as it is. Uh, but there was something in the water. There was something in the air uh, through the first half of the 1990s where this, this shit was what people wanted. <laughs> um, and it, it very much was in the air such that I like absorbed a lot of it through cult cultural osmosis. Like I wouldn't get around to seeing Beetlejuice or Edward Scissorhands or even Batman 1989 or Batman Returns until I was a little bit older. Uh, but I certainly lived through that time period and I certainly watched uh, the Beetlejuice animated series when I was a little boy. <laughs> so I, I was just like relentlessly exposed to this shit um, through most of my childhood. And as such, it resonates probably on a deeper level um, than people who weren't there for it, I guess. But how about you, Brad? Uh, I guess I'm more asking about Edward Scissorhands being as you and I've talked to death about uh, Ed Wood over the years. Uh, I got Ed, 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 Eddie Scissors, Eddie Scissorhands right here as well. Um, actually, I've only seen it once. Uh, I am, yeah, like I, there's a few early Tim Burton films that I just uh, haven't gotten around to. Um, well, I guess actually now I have because I've seen that, but I, I have not seen Ed Wood. Actually, that's one that is a huge blind spot for me because I know you love it, and a lot of people say it's his best. Um. But yeah, I haven't gotten around to that one. And uh, for me, it was more uh, Beetlejuice was the one I grew up on. Uh, I had the VHS of that. And that was just, uh, you know, over and over and over and over again. Rewatch movie like I've probably seen it uh, at least at least 19 times in entirety. Um, but uh, yeah, Edward Scissorhand, really good film. You know, I, it's obviously like just like one of the most like if I had to pick like a Tim Burton film that is like his most, you know, in terms of his style, his subject matter, uh, probably the one I would go with that is like just the most Tim Burton movie. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it is, a, it is a very good film and, uh, yeah, just a bummer how he's, uh, he's fallen so far. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not able to counter that anymore. Like, like it, his track record has just been kind of in the shitter for like pretty much since the 2010s, honestly, um, which is really unfortunate, uh, but it also seems kind of poetic um, given, given his tendencies in terms of the kinds of stories that he tells and seems to be attracted to. I mean, the man has been quoted saying he wouldn't, he wouldn't know a good script if it bit him in the face or bit him on the ass. Or was, I wouldn't know a good script if it bit me in the face. <laughs> um, so like, but even in spite of saying that, like there, there's so many tendencies uh, and commonalities across so many of the stories that he ends up telling through his films that it seems kind of fitting actually that he'd get chewed up and spit out by the Hollywood machine. <laughs> Because that's what his stories are typically about. His, his stories are usually about like monstrous outsider, like quote, air quote, monstrous outsider types who 
provide have have the ability to provide so much beauty to the world or have something have some special atypical quality about them but they're just not meant for this world and and as you said Brad Edward Scissorhands is probably the most crystallized and and seamless version of that story the most seamless iteration of that story because even fucking Batman is about that yeah um and Beetlejuice is like even though the movie's called Beetlejuice, it's more about Lydia and the ghost people. And there's a lot of that going on there as well. And Ed Wood is, is about an artistic fuck up <laughs> that's like fancies himself an artist, strives strives to be the Edward Scissorhand of the world. But sorry, Ed, you're just not it. <laughs> you got the passion, but you ain't, you ain't got the gift. Um, but yeah, like to, to have a person who seems so obsessed with telling that story over and over and over again, ultimately end up falling into the same fate as Edward Scissorhands or, or other any number of other protagonists in his films. It's kind of poetic. It's not satisfying, uh, like for him especially, <laughs> but but there is there is some poetry to that, I guess. Well, he did create, well, I don't know if he created, but he helped uh, direct and produce the most popular Netflix show the last however many years. So, I mean, his... That, uh, that really... Oh, that really did. Wednesday, well. Oh, Wednesday was huge. Oh, yeah. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I haven't so, seen it, so I can't vouch for the quality. All I've seen is endless gifts of Jenna Ortega dancing. <laughs> no, you, no, you can you can vouch for the quality. It's it's what you'd expect. Um, But uh, <laughs> but maybe <laughs> maybe it will give him the I doubt it, but maybe it will give him the freedom to really do something out there and uh you know break free from the from the chains of remaking Dumbo and you know all that I don't stuff. See it. I don't see it happening, but hey, maybe he'll end up like George Lucas and and claim, proclaim loudly and proudly. It's like, yeah, I'm I'm making like small art films in my backyard. Nobody nobody's ever gonna see them. Like small art films. <laughs> <laughs> it's like maybe he'll end up doing yeah. that or something. Yeah. <laughs> Make himself happy and not have to be in the public eye. It's like, go, go, go live in your castle in England, Tim. It's okay. We don't, we, the world doesn't need Tim Burton's name hanging over a production anymore. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's enough out of me. Uh, Brad, what is your next E pick? Uh, my next E pick is a movie. Uh, this director has recently been in the news, not in hot water. Don't worry. Nothing like that. Um, this director uh, is in the news because his movie, his new movie was just acquired by Netflix. I'm talking about Richard Linklater and I've got the movie. Everybody wants some, which is sort of like the spiritual successor to dazed and confused. Um, and I love dazed and confused. And I would say I very lightly love everybody wants some. I really do like it. Um, Days and Confused takes place in the uh, 70s. Everybody Wants Some takes place in the 80s. Uh, Days and Confused is um, a high school movie. This is a college movie. and But they're both extremely similar. Um, you know, hangout movie, big cast of characters. Uh, this one specifically is about a uh, young uh, freshman coming in to live with uh, he's a, a star baseball player, so he's coming on the team. And so it's him living with the baseball team and these guys hanging out in the I think it's like the week leading up to the start of classes in college. 
And, uh, you know, it's just, it's again, it's a great hangout movie, great little sort of coming of age slice of life movie. Awesome soundtrack, like Dazed and Confused. They're, they are very similar, um, but I think it's a testament to uh, the performances, uh, the, the, the writing, just that it doesn't feel like just a copycat of Dazed and Confused. Like, it really does stand on its own as just like a really great, fun, solid comedy. And uh, would not be surprised if he somehow tries to cap off uh, the trilogy. I mean, he already has the before trilogy, so I feel like he's got to do some sort of 90s throwback and, uh, you know, have like uh, Smashing Pumpkins all over the soundtrack or something. Um, But we'll see. But uh, as it stands, uh, yeah, everybody wants some is uh, it's a lot of fun. And also like uh, some people kind of like launched their careers in here uh glenn powell uh this was first thing i really remember him from um i'm sure he was in other stuff as well but he was a standout in here uh zoe deutsch is in here um and Didn't uh she win some sort of award or get nominated for something on your show she she's a perennial nominee yeah yeah um oh, okay. gotcha. perennial <laughs> yeah. runner-up <laughs> yeah 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 um but yeah it, it's a lot of fun and it, it, it was kind of funny because um I, if I'm remembering correctly, I saw this movie, which is about going into your first like week of college. I'm pretty sure I saw this in like my last month or even last week of maybe that, that might be exaggerating, but it was in the last like few months of my college experience. It came out, out right at the end. Um, so, yeah, it hit it like a really good time, I guess, for me. Wow. I mean, I kind of talked about just a little bit earlier when we talked about enemy and I brought up demolition, but that is, that is something that maybe it's a subject that's kind of complicated, very ultra specific subject for an episode of tales from the shelf. Um, but like movies that came arrived in your life at like a pivotal moment or at the correct moment for it to resonate properly like for demolition, like it, it was I was in a bad headspace and it's kind of a sad fucking movie, but it was exactly the movie I needed to watch at that moment. And for you exiting college, just as you come to a movie that's about entering college, there's a certain like, I don't know, special quality to that. where It's just like it, it's in sync with your own life. It's in lockstep with your own life in some way, and it makes it hit a little bit harder. It makes it resonate more. No, I, 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 I agree. And I slightly take back what I said because I was completely right the first time. Uh, I mean, you're was, full of shit, Brad. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm full of shit about not being like, it, it was like, I watched it right at the end of, uh, my college experience. And I actually, in my letterboxd review, I even stated that, uh, it was my, uh, which was a huge hit across campus my weekly movie review uh public access radio station uh oh, show this was this was the final review this was the last review for my uh college radio show that's super cool do you think i know it on my, the air uh, what's that is it written down uh well uh the the show the like the, the review, review portion of it the review is on letterboxd i just said you can't read it oh no 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 it's not not the best review. <laughs> I, I just I just said so 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 much fun. 
I, I couldn't have picked a bet a better movie for my final review on movies in the morning. That's so, super cool, man. Yeah, great. It was, and also my weekly college radio show was called Movies in the Morning, um, which was which was just gr- a great I um idea on my part because my first uh, semester of doing that show, uh, I did it at ten a.m. Um, and then the second semester, all the the times get shuffled because, you know, classes and everything. Um, and the only available time in the uh, a.m. hours was an 8 a.m. show. Uh, so if I wanted to keep the title movies in the morning, I had to start, wake up at uh, 7 a.m. On, <laughs> and I was just like, ah, oh, man, I wish I had to pick a different name because I can't really <laughs> do this in the afternoon when all the open time slots are. I'm sure you never mentioned that on the air when you woke up and had a shitty morning or something. (laughs) Yeah, I don't I don't know if it was a show was as unhinged as I am now, but (laughs) you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts in the (laughs) a.m. But uh, no, yeah, everybody wants some is is an awesome, awesome movie. Yeah, you do this to me every fucking month, Brad. You bring up your Richard Linklater pictures, your high quality fucking films, and I got I got my expendables over here. If it ain't got heads exploding in it, I ain't watching it. Scanners is a great film. <laughs> Scanner Cop 2, that's even better film. The best Scanners movie. Yeah, but so much of my my collection of films, like in case you haven't noticed, dear listeners and hopefully viewers, um, involve action in some degree or another so coming of age uh, comedy dramas or whatever you want to call it are not something i i have in my home really and not some not a genre that i specifically gravitate to anymore i think i used to watch a lot of those movies actually when i was growing up but at some point just my personal interests in film kind of moved away from it and i feel like i'm kind of fucking things up a little bit uh, for myself because there's as Brad tends to point out every time we have these conversations, there's a lot of good shit out there that I'm uh, not allowing onto my radar. Uh, so I didn't even know about that movie. And everybody wants some. I never even heard of that one. Uh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> wow. Well, check it out, man. Okay. Uh, I totally won't, uh, but it's now I'm familiar with the title and I know to, I know to think Richard Linklater when I hear it, because uh, honestly, I wouldn't have uh, if I had heard that title without any sort of context or insight in who made it. I'm I'm a I'm a big Linklater fan. I I'll, know you are, uh, Brad. You bring him up every goddamn month. <laughs> I, I don't feel like I am like it's not like, a you know, it's like who is some of the directors you love? It's not like a name that comes to mind. But then I start. Yeah, I just like, yeah, actually, from listing off like movies that are absolutely bangers that I love, he's got more than many many others yeah you, you might want to think on that because seriously it's a very common thing on this show uh but uh who put out that blu-ray by the way i think it's just uh paramount ah. yeah i think it's paramount yeah yeah and uh, i forget what was the uh title that you said netflix acquired or is it just currently in production or something no it's uh it, it premiered i think it premiered at uh was it telluride or no maybe it was venice uh and it's called hitman or the hitman and stars glenn powell and apparently people said it like the buzz was like it was it's awesome like it's really good and so people were super bummed that netflix picked it up um 
Yeah, they up they paid twenty million for it, I guess. So Wow. Uh I mean, that's super awesome that's getting good buzz. Uh hopefully they uh stagger the release with uh what is it, the killer? Um the David yeah. <laughs> A little odd that they have two the movies coming out. Yeah. Um but uh I mean hey, Link later, he's getting paid, so maybe he can do some more uh you know, avant garde, you know european trek through city conversation bullshit films that i love well i would like uh for you to get your wish and have him do like a another decades version of some of his earlier offerings like hopefully it doesn't end up being like martin scorsese's music drops in wolf of wall street where it just feels icky uh, to have a 90s yeah. soundtrack in the director's film but just just to keep the streak alive and knowing that he has a trilogy under his belt. Like that, I think that would be kind of neat for him to come back to something that he's already proven to be exceedingly talented at for a third time, you know? Well, that that's the question. Can he use Everlong? Can he drop Everlong better than Scorsese? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it should oh. be easy to do because that's one of the worst music drops of all time, but... <laughs> I mean, if Scorsese can't even, you know, drop it well, then. All right. Uh, just for uh, allow me one second here, Brad. Um, I'm not so great with names and faces when it comes to like slightly younger actors. Um, so uh, is is that Glenn Powell? Uh, yeah, I believe that is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that is him. That's him. So there you go. That's where you got to start. Is that three Expendables three? Expendables three. three. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you want to know what he does in Expendables three, Brad? <laughs> what does he do? Uh, he's the extreme sports guy. Uh, he uh, he does rock climbing, and he spends the entire climax of the film um, climbing up an air duct. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's a baseball player in this one, so I mean, that jacks. He looks like a baseball player. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, thanks for confirming that. I wasn't sure on his name, but I was like, mm -hmm. I think that's the, I think that's that guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hangman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's where I, of course, took most notice of him. Yeah. Um, the girlfriend pointed out to me that's like, He's off your radar, <laughs> but he's on mine <laughs> and has yeah. been for some time. Like, apparently he's been around. He's just been doing movies more explicitly targeted at her than me. Is how I understood that. Mm -hmm. OK, well, uh, you want to go one more round, Brad, or are you about to? Yeah, we can do one more. OK, well, uh, I have. Hmm. What are we going to do here? Uh, you want to here? You can dictate, Brad. So uh, you want to talk about something spooky, uh, something uh, that has a new entry currently in theaters or something that is animated? Definitely not animated. Um... That's, I, I almost <laughs> kept that one under my hat. I was like, Brad's never going to make that. I mean, I got to go spooky. I got to go spooky. Spoopy. We're so, doing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, spooky. We're doing spoopiness. Uh, yeah. It, I mean, we're creeping up on October here. Like, we're getting to the end of September. It makes sense. Uh, so, Brad asks for Spoopy, so I shall deliver. Uh, so, I have here in my hand uh, a Blu-ray. I believe there has been a 4K release uh, in more recent days. Uh, but I have on Blu-ray, uh, complete with slipcover, 
uh, Paul W.S. Anderson's uh, Event Horizon. Um, yes. Yeah. A nifty little spoopy uh, space space thriller, uh, kind of a supernatural space thriller. Uh, very interesting combination of elements, not one that you see all the time in film where they combine uh, supernatural elements with very heavy sci-fi kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, I think a lot of people think of Event Horizon as maybe Paul W.S. Anderson's best film. Uh, not Paul Thomas Anderson, Paul W.S. Anderson. Considerably different caliber of filmmaker. <laughs> um, but uh, Event Horizon, I think a lot of people generally agree, uh, might be his best film. Uh, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's exactly true. Um, it's kind of a, kind of a hard thing to consider when it comes to his filmography because it, it has a his his brand his vibe is is a little a little odd um but this is this is one of his more confident productions that it it has less of the the trappings that you generally find in a lot of his films like it, it seems more focused on delivering what was asked rather than indulging in what he tends to go for in a lot of his films i.e uh, having his wife kick dogs, uh, <laughs> zombie dogs, not not normal dogs. Uh, in case your buddy Matt is watching, <laughs> they had it coming. They was already dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, th- this film is is pretty solid. It has it has some wrinkles here and there. Like some of the dialogue gets a, perhaps a little too chummy, a little too colorful at times uh, to really maintain like a and like a a spoopy vibe through and through. Uh, but there's like excellent production design through and through tends to be the case with a lot of his films or at least his movies that have a budget. Um, Lawrence Fishburne is excellent in it. Sam Neill is better. Um, and it's one of those movies too, that uh, there's a lot of footage that was shot that was apparently excised from, from any cut of the film that exists. Um, I think they talk about it on the bonus features uh, included on this disc. But as far as I understand, like uh, a harder, more explicit cut of the film was planned at a certain stage, but likely will never exist or be released in any sort of fashion, which to me is maybe a little bit of a disappointment because you do get like flickers of some truly fucked up shit in the movie. But that that's the extent of it. It's just like a frame here and there like almost subliminal uh, to a degree um but yeah i enjoy event horizon i've watched it several times uh, it's it's always good i don't know if it's ever like truly great um but it has it has that cozy 90s vibe to it that again if you were there for it it, it hits on a different level it has an extra level of coziness to it um the performances are pretty uniformly great uh and it's really neat to look at uh, which goes quite a long way. Also, the uh, the piece of music that plays over the credits is a banger. Uh, you should look it up, Brad. Uh, I don't know who composed it or if it's from a band. It's probably from a band, uh, given Paul W.S. Anderson's background. But look it up. It, it's kind of similar to, uh, or at least in the intro portions of it, it feels kind of like Vangelis's uh, ending track for the first Blade Runner. It has that kind of like thrumming electronic kind of vibe to it. What what year did Event Horizon come out? I want to say 97, but uh, I'm not. Yeah, I'm right. 97. It's probably if it was a band, it was probably Corn. That would be my guess. I don't uh, <laughs> it's, it's maybe like the Prodigy or some shit or, or like some industrial band or something, yeah. if I had to guess. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you seen Event Horizon, Brad? I have. It's been a while. I I never got around to picking up that Blu-ray or the 4K, um, but I've been meaning to. Not that I remember loving the movie, but I just like that genre. I like space horror. Me too. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, decent little cast. There, I there are images from that movie that I remember. Partly some from I believe like you know meme gif form, uh, but also just some stuff that you know I think actually is uh some memorable imagery in there but yeah i I don't remember much about it but i uh, definitely would like to watch it again and i mean off top my head i would say it's probably my favorite uh paul ws anderson movie i mean not that i've seen a ton of his stuff but uh i think i would give it the crown yeah I, i mean i have a soft spot for mortal Kombat. um i don't think you agree with me on that point um but a lot of a lot of kids who were were old enough to remember the the hype train for that movie. It, it's kind of special in in like a cheesy sort of way. I would never defend it as a truly great film, but it it brings me joy um, for what it's worth. Um, but yeah, like in terms of like just overall quality, especially for like general audiences, it probably is like his his most confident and straightforward and and well made film. Like, I don't think anybody's ever going to point to Aliens versus Predator being his best. Um, or maybe that first Resident Evil like that. That one's not bad. Like, like it, it's it's pretty committed to 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 the bit. Like it, it's mm-hmm. it's not as cartoonish or, or overly colorful as some of the later sequels would be. Um, but that that first one is is pretty earnest in what it's trying to achieve. And it does look quite nice at times. Um, so yeah, probably Event Horizon or Resident Evil, I guess, if I if I was to put one at the top of his list. That's fair. That That's fair. Um, it's not like either of us in this room love this guy or anything. <laughs> I tolerate Paul W.S. Anderson. He's got his fans. He's got his fans. Apparently, his movies make a fuck ton of money. Like, mm-hmm. almost, I don't know how Monster Hunter did. I, I don't know if it did very well, but those Resident Evil movies, I... I forever underestimated how profitable a lot of those were. Like so many of those just absolutely killed it at the box office internationally. Um, so he he's made a lot of studios happy as far as I know. But in terms of like film fans, I, I don't know how many like diehard fans he has out there. He, I know there's a few people on uh, Twitter and I don't know if they're being ironic, but who praise him very highly thing i you know i never know if uh because if it was me i'd be doing it ironically but uh you never know if they're being serious or not that's a thing that's a thing on the internet is like every 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 director is somebody's favorite no matter how schlocky their their material might Mm -hmm. be how consistently schlocky their material might be somebody out there is their super fan um so it's deeply unreliable (laughs) yeah well i don't own event horizon so he's definitely not uh my favorite no nor is he mine but i own two no i own a lot of his movies i feel bad like i, I feel like a liar right now like you like him much... a lot more than i do i have all the resident evil movies i have event horizon and i have mortal Kombat. so yeah i own oh fuck i also have soldier shit i i am a super fan i'm a secret super fan i ain't even know it I've yeah. given so much of my money to this motherfucker. He, he is seen... your Richard Linklater. 
apparently didn't you don't know realize, it until, until yeah. just now but apparently um yeah have you seen soldier by the way Mm-mm, no it's apparently like a uh it's supposed to take place in the same universe as blade runner um like it's never explicitly stated it's never a, an element of the story but apparently like they they used a miniature prop or something one of the police spinners is in one of the shots in the film or something um it's not bad uh actually i may have to reconsider like what his actual best movie is because soldier mm. is soldier is not a great movie by any means but it's got good kurt russell um it's <laughs> kind of it. <laughs> he's got a lot of good ones good gary Busey too good, yeah. good gary Busey. um yeah yeah the Sol- soldier's not bad I'm, i could watch that movie virtually any day i'll just say that his movie some of his movies some of his movies are very watchable anyway we You're should probably really talk about something like else now. Uh, yeah i'm gonna get off of paul ws anderson's cock right now because uh yeah um i'm not sounding very I'm not sounding like a very good podcaster right now. It's like your credibility is just is all gone, buddy. It's like it's long gone. I'm sorry. Uh, so, Brad, uh, would you like to do one more uh, epic? Yeah, I can do one more quick, and I don't have a ton to uh, say about this one, but it's a film uh, that I watched not too long ago. It just came out on 4K, I think, last year, and I have been going through all of the director's films. So I will be uh, revisiting this one in the coming weeks. I'm sure Uh, it is David Cronenberg's Eastern promises, um, which I watched for a second time when it came out on 4k. This is the Kino 4k Uh, looks great. Uh, And obviously it's a follow up to a history of violence, which I prefer over Eastern Promises, if we're to compare the two. But Eastern Promises is uh, pretty awesome in its own regard. It's just, uh, it's, from what I remember, again, I, even though I watched it last year, I, I my opinion on the film, my mind is fading. But I remember, it's, just, it's very straightforward. Uh, and it's Cronenberg. One thing about his movies that I love is that they are just, like, sweet and to the point, like, he does not overstay his welcome. Like rarely is his film over two hours. This one's 101 minutes um, for feels like the, in another filmmaker's hands, they would have considered this like, you know, this is a prestige, you know, gangster film. We have it's we're going to stretch this runtime. And he's just like, I don't know, his filmmaking is just very blunt and curt. And even when he's, you know, not dealing with, you know, human anatomy, He's still something about his films just he and maybe it's because he's always shooting in Canada and he's working somewhat outside the studio system. His films always have a very different feel. And um, I I like this film. I think the performances are great. Obviously, Um, Vigo Vigo Mortensen was Oscar nominated for this role, probably just for the bathroom scene alone, which is awesome. And uh, it, it certainly is when you, you know, you remove yourself from this movie by a year. Uh, it's one of the moments that definitely stands out the most. And uh, it's it's an awesome scene. And uh, yeah, I, I, I quite like uh, the movie uh, overall. Yeah, it's it's a it's a interesting, good take on, you know, the, the gangster flick. Yeah, kind of unexpected amongst his filmography, uh, although the timing of it was like it was like he was entering a new 
phase of, of his of his oeuvre of his mm-hmm. filmography where where like you said it was preceded by a history of violence and it's like continuing the collaboration with Vigo Mortensen and also doing more grounded material less having to do with you know metaphysical or you know body horror kind of stuff although there is some of that in the form of just straight up fucking violence and awful mm-hmm. things happening to people um I haven't seen Eastern Promises since it came out. Um, that was a, a rental. Um, I, I was still living under my parents' roof, I think. Um, and I do not remember it very well. Um, yeah. But as as we said earlier, talking about Denis Villeneuve, uh, David Cronenberg has long ago, decades ago, earned, the, earned that rarefied air of, if it's got his name on it, sure. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know what it. I don't need to know what it is. I'll check it out, and it'll be great because he doesn't make crap. Uh, basically, he always makes great films, and I remember it being pretty good. Uh, I remember Viggo Mortensen really turning into very good performance. Um, the naked fight, uh, <laughs> legendary moment in in cinema history, uh, especially when it comes to. It's not an action film by any means, but when it comes to action design um, novelty is of prime importance when it comes to making something memorable, making something special in the world of action and stunts and stuff. And yeah, it's very rare, especially in American or Canadian cinema to see that that's a naked man fighting. Uh, and it's a pretty savage fucking fight too. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I would love to rewatch that one because I've seen a history of violence a few times, um, but Eastern promise is only the one time. And I, I very much like a history of violence. I think it's a very good film. I haven't read the, uh, comic or the graphic novel that's based on um but uh did i ever send you the drop of william hurt uh from that film brad i don't know if you did it's ah wow i, I dropped the ball then because that that should have been a day one drop honestly in terms of things i i should get on your soundboard <laughs> unless you send it and i uh, just slipped my mind to add it but i don't think he's on the board how do you fuck that up <laughs> excuse me how do you fuck that up <laughs> that would be a good drop that'd be a good one it's one of the the most amazing line deliveries in cinema history um, and that ahead. that's a film that i am shocked does not have a 4k yet i think the blu-ray is out of print like that is a bummer that is a real bummer weird trivia fact but i th- think doesn't isn't that the last vhs made in in our region i think i remember hearing that yeah yeah that's a weird trivia fact i just remember for some reason but very good film very very good film like pretty like as you said blunt curt uh with some of its storytelling material but it's it feels appropriate for the story that they're telling um but yeah there is some sort of strange quality uh like strange like undefinable vibe present in a lot of his films that something about the way that they're cut and the way that the performances are carried out that it's it's like almost a signature where Mm -hmm. i can't put my finger on it but you're absolutely right like there there is a strange very very distinct vibe present in a lot of his films and a lot of it i think has to do with like the timing of the cuts and some of the naturalism and some of the performances or i think it speaks to his strengths as a director or like a director more specifically of actors, probably that he, he gets a little extra something out of people. Um, yeah. It's really brilliant director. Like a, one of my favorites. 
One of a lot of people's favorites. There's like hardly any ever any sort of emotion or schmaltz. I I shouldn't say there's no emotion. There's there's like no there's no uh, schmaltziness or anything like that. Like even the even the emotional uh, films that you can look at of his like, you know, the, the fly has a romance at its center, but it's always it always ends in tragedy and it's always, you know, very, very bleak and grim. Um, I do have to correct myself. Uh, History of Violence, it, the Blu-ray is still available, but uh, it has uh, very uh, bad picture quality ratings. That's what that's where my brain went. That's why I don't own it, because it needs a better release. Um, but it is available. It is available. Well, I mean, maybe I, I have to assume we'll be getting it. Like it, it we'll get another edition of that film. I mean, it's got his name on it and, you know. It's got Vigo in it, like like it. There, it's, it's an easy fucking sell. Come on, man, <laughs> get on it. I don't know what's it's a new line. Oh, film. That's kind of surprising. Yeah. So I don't, or at least distributed by New Line. Um, okay. Yeah, that makes more sense. So I don't know who. I don't know if New Line still has the rights or who, because um, this is a universal title, at least on the back of the Kino. Yeah, it was Focus Features. So um, that maybe I don't know if New Line. Uh, I don't. I don't know where the rights are with that. But well, in terms of his uh, films with Vigo, where would you where would you rank it? Um, probably second to a history of violence. I would say. Um, I I've only seen a dangerous method and uh, crimes of the future once. Um, but yeah, I'd probably say history of violence, Eastern promises, crimes of the future, uh, dangerous method. I don't um, think I've seen dangerous method yet. Yeah, that's one I because I was probably like I really didn't know really anything about the subject matter when I saw this, I, I might really appreciate it a lot more uh, now, but we'll see. Well, yeah, I mean, his, some of his movies are better on rewatch. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, I've said this, I think every time he gets brought up, but like David Cronenberg is probably top of the list in terms of directors that I would very much like to check out everything they've done. I, like it, it wouldn't be a chore. It'd be a delight. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Join me. It's fun. Yeah, actually, that that's a project that might have to talk to you about, like off air or something. It'd be be fun to lean on one another and like get some of these watches out of the way that we we yeah. keep talking about from month to month. <laughs> it's like Brad, I don't care what kind of mood you're in, you're watching this shit. <laughs> you're gonna watch it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I can't possibly top that. I mean, talking about Cronenberg, like here I am talking about the Expendables filmmakers like sly stallone and <laughs> with scott war or whatever the f- i don't even know who made the sequels but whoever did the second one did a pretty good job but i'm talking about these schlubs and you're talking about linklater cronenberg and villeneuve like all you're pulling names out of the yeah you're dropping I, I need, names on my desk i needed to pick more schlock but i don't have any vinegar syndrome titles that start with an e so i thought you were gonna say but i don't have any that's that is not true folks this was kind of an atypical episode actually in terms of brad's picks brad has a lot of schlock brad loves i do yeah most of what he unboxed on his youtube video that he dropped this morning that you should totally go watch uh is vinegar syndrome titles that i have to assume quite a lot of are schlock yeah not a ton i'm just looking at the ease yeah not a ton of schlock here i don't know 
Yeah, no one in this room, no one in this conversation is anti-schlock. It's just that's that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like I said, I can't possibly top that. Uh, so I'm actually just going to omit my last pick here uh, and advance us to the speed round uh, instead. Uh, so uh, folks at home and listeners and hopefully viewers, uh, if you're not aware of what's about to happen here, basically the speed round is basically where we just uh, skim through uh all the titles that we have set aside uh, in rapid succession kind of eschewing deep conversation uh and just kind of show and tell for a bit so uh brad would you like me to go first or are you uh you anxious to throw out your titles here uh you can go if you want i'll i gotta gather my stuff up from the floor okay well i have literally every e title that i own i think in front of me and it's actually i mean it it it's not a few, but it isn't as much as I tend to have. Uh, so I'll try to make this pretty quick. Uh, so starting with the DVDs, uh, I have <laughs> Exit Wounds uh, starring Steven Seagal and DMX. Uh, almost like I think they occupy the same amount of screen time. Actually, the timing of me whipping this out. Excuse me while I whip this out um, is kind of fitting uh, for this month. So um if you're not aware, uh, listeners and hopefully viewers, uh, here at Catching Up on Cinema, we're in the midst of our Masterclass Month, uh, where we've been talking about, uh, it's our anniversary, by the way, uh, celebrating five years of podcasting. Um, we've been talking about all of the Lethal Weapon films, uh, and next week we'll be talking about Lethal Weapon 4, um, which the director of this film happens to be the DP of that film, if memory serves. And I... Do not know how to pronounce this man's name, so I am going to completely butcher it. But I think it's Andrew Bartkowiak. Um, he is the he is the man. He's the man uh, who brought us an entire subgenre of film from this era of film. This is one of the films that is part of the subgenre that I have coined the Kung Fu Hip Hop Connection. <laughs> it's a dark, dark era of of action entertainment cinema. Where in the world of hip hop crossed over with the world of Kung Fu. Uh, and there are a handful of these films that exist. They all came out in the late 90s and early 2000s. This is one of the earlier ones. And a lot of them are helmed by Andrew Bartkowiak. I would love to get to the bottom of how that all came together someday. Um, but I haven't done the research and I probably never will. Oh, that's not true. I will. <laughs> it's like, and, and I'll probably bring Kyle along for the ride. Poor guy. Um, I have here Exo Squad. Uh, this was a uh, Fox Kids uh, animated cartoon series from the mid '90s. Brad, do you know anything about this? Does this register with you at all? Not really. I mean, the name sounds familiar, but no. Okay, so again, Brad is a few years younger than me. I'm not surprised in the slightest. Children's entertainment moves exceedingly fast, and he just wasn't around for this, basically. Um, This is only the first season. As far as I know, the second season uh, was never released on any home video format. Uh, My brother and I had those toys. We loved that cartoon. It was a little bit more serious uh, than a lot of children's entertainment that was airing, especially on Fox Kids at that time. Uh, kind of like similar vibes in terms of like seriousness as the uh, the X-Men cartoon from the same period. Um, of course, I've talked about this many times. Um, Electric Boogaloo, uh, the Canon Films uh, documentary. Uh, love that. Seen a few times. 
great entertainment. Uh, I have the animated pick that I was not asked to talk about. <laughs> um, have all three of the rebuild of Evangelion uh, films. Uh, these are all directed by Hideaki Anno. And we have uh, the first one, the second one, and the third one in a beautiful slipcase. Um, the fourth one, uh, very recently, uh, got a listing uh, on physical media. So it is due out soon. It is currently available on streaming via Amazon Prime. Uh, but I have not watched it yet. I'm probably just going to hold off until the physical media release because, you know, in for a pound, in for a penny, or scratch that, reverse it. I don't know how to speak English. Uh, I have here Escape from Mogadishu. Uh, this is a South Korean film directed by my favorite South Korean director. Um, is it? I think so. I think this is from Yu Sung Won. Uh, it's, a, it's an okay film. It's not great, um, but it's from my favorite south korean director um and it also is kind of interesting in terms of like the way it frames its uh, south and north korean characters kind of shows that it, at least from the south korean perspective can't can't vouch for the north but at least from the south korean perspective it seems like things have softened a bit where it's like we don't completely hate them anymore um extreme prejudice uh this is part of the vestron video uh collection that Brad, pull that one off of mine. Yeah, Brad's just going to yep. dump that from his. Uh, we have that in common being as Brad owns all of the Vestron video titles, uh, or at least is in the process of collecting all those. Uh, I only have a couple, but this is one of them. I think it's a Walter Hill film. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, very, very competent filmmaker. Has made a lot of good films. That one's all right. It's not one of his great ones. Dynamite cast of uh, character actors, though. Like you will recognize lots of fucking people in it, uh, and all of them are good when they're around. Um, but unfortunately, the screen time is not divvied up as in the ratios that I would prefer, if I'm being honest. Uh, speaking of, uh, well, no, I didn't actually preface that. I didn't set that up at all. Uh, <laughs> uh, this one has uh, a new sequel that's currently in theaters, uh, The Equalizer. So I have Equalizer mm. and the Equalizer Two. Uh, both on Blu-ray, not going to be upgrading to 4K because I like those movies. I don't love them. <laughs> um, but I have considered going to see that third one because I've heard mostly good things about it. Mm -hmm. And I generally like Antoine Fuqua and uh, Denzel Washington. Um, and I've heard it's not bad. You get to see Denzel on vacation in Italy, which Italy is uh, this year's Malta. Because if you remember, Brad, like last year, the year before, a lot of action movies were shot in Malta. And this year it seems like, was it Fa Fast and Furious, uh, Fast X, Mission Impossible, Equalizer 3, all in in Italy or neighboring territories? Like I think Haunting in Venice. Haunting in Venice, yeah. So we got Rome, we got Venice, uh, we got Sicily in Expendables 3, I think. Uh, so yeah, apparently big, big year for Italy uh, in the world of cinema. Um, I like when that stuff happens. It's kind of, interesting to see these movements happen where it's like malta gives mm -hmm. a shit about malta <laughs> it's, like, it's like oh they must have tax incentives gotcha um the executioner collection these are a, a duo of uh sunny chiba films uh from arrow excellent uh restoring of restoration of two very 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 schlocky and funky 1970s martial arts films right up my alley 
Ernest goes to jail. Done a whole episode on it, or at least half an episode on it. One of the most important comedies uh, of my youth. <laughs> I have no idea how or why uh, my family ended up uh, with Ernest Goes to Jail on its shelf. But uh, yeah, I watched the shit out of that movie and I love yeah. it. Um, Enter the Fat Dragon, starring Donnie Yen in a fat suit. Uh, <laughs> Uh, things that you couldn't do in the United States in 2023. Uh, this is the Hong Kong edition of the Blu-ray. Uh, I, I needed this movie immediately, Brad. So I, I rushed out and I paid the shipping fees for the Hong Kong version. It exists on uh, Blu-ray in the US now, probably considerably cheaper. But I needed this now. Um, I actually cut a clip uh, from this movie and I sent it to Kyle. I don't know if I ever sent it to you. Um, but it's Donnie Yen yelling at the bad guy, you lose, man. <laughs> it's terrible, <laughs> but it does have some uh, it has some decent action sequences, a lot of slapstick humor. Um, I think it's a Masanori Mimoto. Uh, he's a up and coming. Uh, well, he's actually he's a Japanese stunt player that's been working for a very, very long time in that industry. But he's starting to like gain a little bit of traction uh, in like more action obsessed circles of film fandom. He has like a bit role in that. So it was kind of cool seeing him in there. He has a movie actually that uh, I, I ordered. Uh, it has not arrived yet, but it came out yesterday. Uh, it's called bad city um, from the same director as a film that I reviewed called Hydra. Um, he Masanori uh, Mimoto is also in that. Uh, very, very much looking forward to Bad City. Uh, I've heard excellent things about it, and I've seen some clips that are like, fuck yes, this is this is my shit right here. None of that Richard Linklater business. <laughs> Japanese people punching each other. That kind of business. Yeah. Uh, Enemies Closer, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, as the bad guy. Um, actually, he's, he's, he's the bad guy. Uh, he's big as life and twice as ugly on the cover, uh, but he's just the bad guy. Uh, he's very clearly improvising most of his scenes. Uh, there's a scene where he's rummaging for berries um, and pretending to be a Canadian Mountie at one point. Pretty sure he just improvised all of his stuff in this whole movie. Um, but the actual uh, stars of this movie are two relics from the 90s, Brad, that I'm curious if they have any sort of resonance with you. When I saw these two men on screen together, I was like, What? Uh, it, Screech from Saved by the Bell. Screech. He looks a lot like him. Yeah, but but actually handsome. <laughs> like oh, like. Passed, I, that, yeah. Speaking right. of people who passed away, Dustin Diamond is no longer of this earth. But Tom Everett Scott, mm. Tom Hanks mm-hmm. 2.0, is in this movie in like the 2010s. Like, what the fuck happened to him? He could he could have been the guy, Brad. Tom Everett Scott was. He had it, man. He was yeah. Tom Hanks 2.0. Like he, he was the second coming. And he threw it all away. <laughs> he was in this instead. It's him and I think it's Orlando Jones, the make seven up yours, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Are both in this film as dual protagonists and they fight Van Damme in it. Things you learn talking to Trevor about movies that you don't care about. <laughs> um, and also the last one here, uh, $5.99. That's why I own it. <laughs> That's entirely why I own it, because I don't actually like it very much. Um, Elysium. Mm. Uh, yeah, 
<laughs> I don't I don't like this movie a whole lot. Um, but the production design is fantastic. I love looking. I love the stuff in this movie, but what they do with it and what the story is about is pretty boilerplate, kind of clunky, not very good. But man, is it fun to look at? And whoever was in charge of the production design, the prop department, they they did a great job. But uh, yeah, wish it was a, wish it was a better movie. If I'm being honest, but yeah, that's a good one to put on while you're cleaning or something. Kind of, it's 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 a look up when you hear gun 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 gun, like when you hear gunfire. Look up. Other than that, it's like I, you know, if you've seen it once, there's not a whole lot of depth to it. Like like again, look up when you hear gunfire, (laughs) and it's unfortunately not very often. Really, it's it's yeah, it it could have been great, but it was it's just not. But I like looking at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to you get Neil Blomkamp. You got to have, you know, sometimes you just got to have his films on hand because, you you know, he's a name. He's a name. I you think know, that's might the only cool... film of his I own, if I'm oh, being honest. To be like, honest, I, I don't own any of his films. So I mean, I'm lying. I'm lying. You don't have to own them. Five ninety nine is why I own that movie. Yeah. Bro. That's why you I, kept the sticker on. Just a reminder. It's like. Yeah. In case anybody asks, <laughs> in case Brad comes through and starts rummaging through your shit like he's most certainly prone to do. <laughs> Why do especially you own after, Especially after a few Negronis. Yeah. <laughs> Brad's, Brad, Brad's a diddler. He just fiddles with your shit. He's like, what is it? I mean, is it expensive? I'm going to touch it. <laughs> yeah. 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 In case anybody asks. I have the I have the price tag on it. It was five ninety nine. Fuck off with that. I I <laughs> pull the trigger at that. I I'd pull it at that price point. I bet you. I bet you. I think I know what happened there too. I think it was a. I think it was a buy two get one free, but they <laughs> but they have to be of like a certain price bracket. Yeah, like a tier, and it was like, do I want another copy of Shooter? <laughs> <laughs> Or do I want another copy of Taken or Taken yeah. Three? Do I not? Do I want another Blu-ray of X-Men: The Last Stand? <laughs> Gotta have backups. Yeah, <laughs> especially of Shooter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or I could get Elysium and watch it once and just have it collect dust on my shelf after that. Yeah. Anyway, that's all of my E's. We talked about literally every E title I own. So, Brad. Uh, what are your speed round titles? All right. I'm just, I got still quite a few, so I'm just going to burn through these. Uh, almost missed this one because of how it looks on the spine edge of tomorrow. I skipped over it because of the live, die, repeat. But that I is some bullshit. It, yeah. Do they put the live, live, die, repeat first? It is first on the spine. Mother. Yeah. Fu- that but is bullshit. Edge of tomorrow is on the spine, at least. So it, okay. it goes okay. under E, obviously. Good movie. I uh, liked it. Yeah, we have everything everywhere all at once. I haven't seen it. Which was great. Uh, even better on a rewatch. Uh, it's like eight ninety nine right now. I was considering it? buying it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you bought Elysium at five ninety nine, you can buy it. <laughs> good point. Good point. Anyway. Um, E.T. starring my favorite actor, <laughs> Wallace. Um, haven't seen this one in a while, but Escape from Alcatraz, the Kino Blu-ray. I watched this a uh, fair bit as a as a child, um, and I liked it. I this is one I need to revisit. Um, here's one. Movie. Here's one I've never seen. You're probably gonna throw up in your mouth. 
but it's not so embarrassing that it's it's not my ultimate embarrassment that I lie about. I'll be honest, I haven't seen uh, Escape from New York. Sorry, just what's up with the is it a steel book? It is a steel book. Yeah, it's the Scream Factory steel book. Um, it's only Blu-ray. I know they I think they re-released the 4K at, like they did it a steel book 4K again. But uh, yeah, this one's only Blu-ray. I figured since I still haven't even watched the Blu-ray, I shouldn't upgrade to the 4K until I at least watch it once. Good choice. Good choice. Not my favorite. Not my favorite Carpenter film. Yeah. Um, another Clint Eastwood film. We have the Iger Sanction. Never seen it. Moving on. Another dad uh, film. Is it bad? <laughs> no, it's a dad film. Dad. Oh, my yeah, dad, yeah. Both of those Eastwood films you held up. My dad has talked at me about quite a lot throughout my life. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really like Escape from Alcatraz. So. It's great. Yeah, yeah. it is. Um, we have a Toby Hooper movie, Eaten Alive, about a... Uh, he's like, a, I don't know. It's like a redneck who feeds people to his alligator. Uh, it's not great, but uh, I do like Toby Hooper. So it's an oddity to own. You doing um, Hooptober this year? Oh, uh, you got to do Hoop. Yeah, you got to squeeze in one to Toby Hooper movie uh, this oh. year. Might be the Mangler. Might be the Mangler this year. Uh, can I get in on that, please? I, I if yeah, absolutely. You can get in on that. <laughs> oh, I need an excuse, man. I've seen yeah. I've, my whole life has been leading up to the moment I get to watch the Mangler. Let's do it. Let's do it. I got the Blu-ray okay. sitting on the shelf, so let's do it. Fuck yes. <laughs> um, similar to the Mangler, I have uh, Eyes Wide Shut, uh, Stanley Kubrick film. <laughs> um, Eight-Legged <laughs> Freaks. Hey, that one's not bad. Eight-Legged Freaks is not no, bad. Yeah. I uh, I haven't rewatched it on the Blu-ray, but I, I used to watch this uh, decent amount as a, as a young a preteen, maybe young teen, preteen, um, a movie that I seem to be the only person that kind of liked, uh, Exodus Gods and Kings. The oh, I, saw Scott movie. I saw that in the theater. I did too. Uh, Joel Edgerton pounding his chest and yelling, I'm the God. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of just dug like the over the topness of it. I liked the spectacle. I don't know. I, Maybe it's I not bad. Like it, yeah. It's beautiful to look at. And, you know, Joel Edgerton covered in gold and pounding his chest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, this one. I mean, I don't know if you'd count this under E, but I I file it under E. It's the um, Pierre Itai collection from Criterion featuring all these films and shorts. Um, he is French. Yes. French filmmaker. Very, very French. Very uh prestigious no no why is that filed under e well i uh these uh it's a good question um now you're i got me on the hot seat the spotlight is on um not intentional it, just curious i just put i would just file um filmmakers collections under their last name like i would like i wouldn't file alfred hitchcock under a i'd put put it under h because you know hitchcock that, that makes sense. I have some box sets with actors that I go by the last name too. So, yeah. The problem is, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but when you have a box set that has like a title, like the the unapologetic works of John Waters or something like, you know, and then it's like, oh, well, now do I put it under you for unapologetic works of John Waters? I just made up that title, but, or would you put it under W? That's I, th I think the name carries more weight than the the verbiage preceding it yeah yeah that's i think that's what i would say too but i can't think of or find any examples to uh to confirm so um 
Also on Criterion, The Executioner, which I have talked about at length with you. And I think I talked about it with you at some point for some thing we did. At, didn't I? Uh, I you you did a you did like a review of it I think with Santino or somebody else, um, but you yeah. talked with you did talk with me about it and it sounded yeah, fantastic. Like, didn't we do something like recent watches or something? Was that like a month's theme? Yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, two Lynch films on Criterion: Eraserhead and The Elephant Man. Hey, classics. Um, Alex Garland's Ex Machina. Ooh, good one. Yeah. Um throw these all in on one bunch evil dead evil dead 2 and the or just the evil dead evil dead 2 and evil dead um we have everest that's a 5.99 purchase uh i saw that in the theater too <laughs> i did as well it's not yeah, bad it, it was pretty it good wasn't, I mean, it wasn't bad i don't yeah. need to watch it again but like it's 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 pretty good yeah yeah um eighth grade uh, which I thought was good. I haven't watched it since theater. Critics um, gushed over that one. Yeah, it was. I didn't think it was that good, but it was. It was good. Um, Election, which I really like. Um, uh, it does have a Criterion release. I just have the standard. Um, and finally, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which I uh, quite enjoy as well. So I have not seen it, but uh, I think a couple of people in my social circle point to that as their favorite film yeah I, it's definitely one of those films that the people that love it love it and i i mean i would say i'm in that camp i used to love it now i just i love it you know it tends to seems to appeal to a more sentimental more more feeling kind of crowd less thinking more feeling kind of yeah crowd. that's yeah i would agree it's uh michel gondry correct mm -hmm. yeah Love, and uh love is, love is uh, oh really mm -hmm. i didn't know that um, i think right gondry is a uh, i know him mostly for his music videos i i i'm struggling to like point to a movie of his that i've seen but i've always i should see be kind rewind um especially when that movie came out was like when i had ambitions like kind of edwardian dreams of sorts that would have been very appropriate uh for me to have watched that movie at that time in my life missed the moment though so probably won't get to it but you know is what is anyway damn that was a quite the stack there brad it was quite an ensemble of ease yeah yeah i i didn't think i had that many ease but yeah i guess there's when you add them all up there's quite a few well, it's a lot of quality shit though so i mean you only had one 5.99 purchase in there yeah yeah <laughs> And, and even that one wasn't half bad. Everest, I, I only saw it the one time. Never going to see it again. But it's pretty good. Pretty intense. Like they, they don't shy away from like the, the suckiness of being, mm -hmm. being at the top of the world. Yeah. Um, yeah no, I, I liked it. Yeah. Um. But anyway, uh, that's about it for the show. Uh. So Brad, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. Also, thank you for plugging your video at the beginning of this conversation. Uh, you should definitely do that again before we go. <laughs> um, it's, it's great work, man. I, I really wow. sincerely hope that you, you keep it up. Thank you for uh, continually prodding me to get something out there because uh, <laughs> I, I needed that. I need that. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I, it sounds like I'm joking, but I'm serious. Well, going to keep doing it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like like next time next month like if you don't have anything out 
out between now and then i am gonna inevitably ask you like so brad what's in the pipe <laughs> so i'm hoping i'm hoping i'll have something out we'll see we'll see parenting uh, so, uh, so Brad, uh, before we go, uh, would you care to let our listeners and hopefully our viewers uh, know where they can find you and your super awesome podcast? Yeah, it's the Cinema Speak podcast. Uh, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to your shows. You can follow us on X or Twitter at the Cinema Speak, uh, Instagram Cinema Speak podcast. Uh, we're on YouTube as Cinema Speak, and you can just find us on the web at cinemaspeak.libsyn.com. Very nice. And yeah, definitely check out the, the YouTube channel. There's some really good shit on there. Um, as for myself and my program, uh, it's called Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, and you can find all of our Catching Up on Cinema content on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. I can also find us on the Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as the Twitter slash X at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. Uh, and the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including BitCade. So fucking Google it. And uh, that being said, thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Bye.